I'm Nicole Antoinette, and this is Real Talk Radio, a podcast filled with honest conversations about everything. Today's episode is part of our new series called But How Though, where I ask people that exact question, how? How do you get out of debt? How do you change careers? How do you stop comparing yourself to people on the internet? How do you have more fulfilling sex, build stronger friendships, decide whether or not to have kids? Each episode of this series explores a different question like that with a different featured guest, someone who is oh so bravely joining me to share the ups and downs of how they've managed to close the gap between what they say they want and what they actually do. Speaking of the how, let's talk for a second about how this show gets made, because behind the scenes, our podcast does things pretty differently in a few ways. First, we are 100% listener-funded with no ads or sponsors. And also, all of our guests get paid, and higher rates are always paid to our guests of color, as well as our queer and trans guests and others with traditionally marginalized identities. The funding to create this show and pay all the guests comes entirely from our Patreon community, which operates on a shame-free sliding scale that allows each community member to support from within their own means. Tons of fun stuff happens over in that community. I host live workshops, share exclusive bonus episodes, and lots more. And no matter where on the sliding scale your monthly pledge falls, you still get access to all of the same events and bonuses. So if you love this show, and if you want to make a real-time vote with your dollars to help keep it going, all while meeting the wonderful, like-minded people who are already in our community, spoiler alert, they're the best, you can come and join us over at patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. That's patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. We'd love to have you. And now, on to the show. All right, friends, let's do this. I'm joined today by Chelsea Bergen, who's here to talk about one of my all-time favorite topics, budgeting. Sounds funny to say that's one of my favorite topics, but it is. Specifically, the process of creating a realistic monthly budget without totally hating the process. So hi, Chelsea. Welcome to the show. Hi. We're going to we're going to talk about money. Yeah, I'm excited. I know I feel like I get to nerd out on budgeting with you out loud and other people get to listen and that feels very exciting. So I <laughs> am grateful that you were brave enough to be willing to come and have this conversation. Well, I uh I was glad that you asked because I also I'm like talking about budgeting and um now other people get to listen to us have this conversation. <laughs> I feel like it's funny that, I mean, maybe not budgeting specifically, but money at least overall is something that literally everyone has in common in that it affects everyone's life in some way, obviously not the same way for everyone, but I feel like for something that is so common and touches every single day of all of our lives, I always am interested in the fact that it's still so taboo to talk about and anything that we can do to sort of pull that curtain back and just have more emotionally neutral, honest, like non-shamey, non-judgy conversations about money, I think is really worth it. Yeah. I think we're not really given like a lot of vocabulary for talking about money, like particularly when it comes to the emotional side of it and and also the different experiences that people have with money. Um, I recently started thinking a lot about class, which had sort of never really occurred to me before. It was like a thing that I knew existed. And I was like, I don't know, like everybody's kind of middle class except for like really rich people or like very poor people. Um, 
because I had never really thought about it. And um, that's actually not the reality. Like I grew up working class and had like no idea because it wasn't something that my family talked about or like anyone I knew talked about. And having more like language around that has helped me think about a lot of my experiences and my relationship with money differently. But I didn't have the words or like any knowledge for it. And so it took like a long time for me to even start thinking about those things. And so I don't, I think maybe that's part of why we don't talk about money or why it's like a difficult conversation to have because we just, I feel like don't have the vocabulary for it in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, and so much of what we believe about money as we get into adulthood is shaped by our, you know, the situation that we grew up in, right? Our parents or whatever the grownups, hopefully, that were around to take care of us, our family of origin, however they talked about money, whatever their own money stuff, right, money baggage was, so much of that is just like the air that you breathe growing up. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting to start to unpack some of this stuff as an adult, as someone in charge of my own money, my own business, and really think through, oh, it's interesting that I still feel, you know, scarcity in this particular way, even though it's not warranted by the facts of my situation, because that's, you know, a leftover feeling of scarcity from childhood. Or, you know, I think each of us could probably give a lot of different examples of that. And I have also been thinking about class a lot more lately. I know that's something that you and I have been researching and thinking about. And I have also been reflecting on the experience of dramatic changes in financial situation, which I know, I mean, 2020 alone has been that for so many folks, right, who have lost their jobs or had changes in their income. And it's, you know, for me, the last couple of years have been a real change in financial situation just from, you know, getting unmarried, getting divorced and, you know, changing uh, from, you know, a, a two income marriage to being on my own financially. And it's just, it's so interesting that I feel like isn't talked about too, what happens when you have a dramatic change in in either direction, in your income, in your class. And, you know, that's happened a couple times throughout my life. And that's something that I never really hear talked about. Yeah. I think there's, I don't know, like an assumption that that just sort of like stays the same throughout your life that like, I guess if anything, the sort of presumption is that like you will have an upward like financial trajectory, but then like as you're making more money, you'll also spend more money. And so you're sort of just always be in kind of the same space. I think that it had for a lot of my life had not like occurred to me that like I wanted to make more money, I guess, because that's what we're supposed to want. But I had not really thought about like, okay, well, what does it mean that my family of origin had had like a lot of different, had had periods of making a lot of money, relatively speaking, and then periods of not having very much. And and what does it mean in my own life to have financial changes? I think I had just sort of had this conception that like, it would be a mostly flat line with like maybe a slight curve upward, which has um, has really not been the reality, which is actually kind of how I started budgeting in the first place, um, really in earnest. I had tried it before, um, but it had not really connected. And then 
I had a pretty substantial raise at work and I knew that I wanted to have a different relationship with money. And so budgeting was kind of my like way into that and my way of like addressing that change, um, which now I'm, I'm really glad that I did, but I think I no, that's not like a thing that anyone had really like talked to me about or said like, okay, here's how you like prepare for this or handle this. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you were more interested in budgeting and that doing it actually stuck in response to a change in your circumstances. Because knowing that you and I were going to have this conversation, I was trying to pull the thread back for myself of when do I first remember budgeting? Because it's it's one of those things that I have been doing for so long that I I sincerely don't remember not doing it. I I mean I did it in college. I did it for as long as I can remember. And and for me the the change it was also a change in circumstance. My and you know this could be a very long story that'll boil down into you know like a thirty second recap. But my. Uh, parents had quite a bit of money until they didn't, basically. And it was quite a dramatic shift over a period of a year or two in filing for bankruptcy. And really, our whole life changed in response to that. And I was about 13, 14 years old when this happened and, you know, got a job as soon as I could and all of that. And, you know, from then on was paying for myself pretty much for everything and, you know, through through college and working multiple jobs and all of that. And it was just such an obvious, as soon as I got my my first job, I you know, was babysitting, right? I was like 14, 15 years old. And I thought, okay, like this money isn't just for playtime. Like I, I have to figure out what to do with this. And I had this really uh, almost like a burden of a fear of I don't not that I don't want to turn into my parents, that sounds pretty aggressive, but that I don't want to wind up in that situation, right? Like trying to pick apart what did they do wrong, what I thought or what I thought that they did wrong, and what do I think that I could do to be in a different situation? It's like that change in their circumstances and, you know, therefore my circumstance really made me at first feel like, oh, I have to budget almost from a place of fear because I don't want to wind up like that. And over time, it became something that I really loved, you know, and this idea of paying attention to the realities of money in my life, how much I earn, how much I spend, you know, what in particular I love spending money on and what I feel resentful of spending money on. I have found that it's just all such useful information that can help me be more aligned with how I want to live. So it's definitely changed. My relationship to budgeting has changed over time, but I think that it's it's interesting to hear that y- you got into it also because of a change of circumstance. Yeah, I... I super relate to that feeling of like, I don't want to end up like my parents basically. And I, for a long time, I actually could not have articulated that. I just sort of had this like looming fear around money and spending it and having it and um, only like recently after, I don't know, a year and a half of like being really committed with budgeting and with investigating my relationship with money and also my relationship with my parents, have I been able to identify like, oh, there was a really big, fear was a really big motivating factor in my relationship with money. And when I started budgeting, I knew that it was because of a change in circumstance, but I hadn't I hadn't really articulated to myself that it was partly because like I was afraid that I was basically just going to like waste my money. Um, and I felt like I 
was going to do it wrong basically. And that I didn't know how to be responsible or like how to use money, which is kind of interesting because I'm pretty responsible in my life in general, but I felt like I was just going to like mess it up. So on the outset, when I started budgeting, what I told myself was like, I just want to be, you know, um, responsible with my money and not spend too much, which was a part of it, but really much more of it was I wanted to change how I felt about money, but I could not have really articulated that at the time. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense with what you alluded to earlier that your family, when you were growing up, sort of went in that feast and famine cycle, right? You know, have a bunch of money, spend money, don't have money, don't spend money, that I can see where the fear of repeating that or even the fear associated with the story of when there, when money is there, you know, I will spend it too quickly, right? Like that, that's not unfounded based on, you know, what you've shared about your background. Yeah. And I think also my kind of early adult life, I was not making a whole lot of money, did not have a whole lot of money in college. And then in my first job out of college, um, I was making $10 an hour and living in Los Angeles, which is a really expensive place to live. So I was basically, I was like sharing a room with my friend because I couldn't really afford to pay for like rent anywhere else and had like student loans that I couldn't pay. And the reality was like, I was not really making enough money to live on, but I also felt like, well, maybe if I was better at this, if maybe if I was doing something different, then like the money would go further. And like, maybe, but I think for the most part, it was an issue of like being underpaid in a city with like an incredibly high cost of living. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had a lot of experiences of like, not not knowing how much was in my bank account and like overdrawing the account or like I had enough money, but the money was in a savings account and not the checking account. So I overdrew the account. And this feeling of like, even when I have money, not it not being enough was like some of my early experiences of, of money on my own. Yeah. I, I appreciate what you said about the desire to budget coming from this, I don't even know if belief, but like hope that if I, you know, could just figure out the right formula here, then, you know, I would be more financially comfortable. And there's obviously a lot that budgeting can teach us about our spending, about our relationship with money, right? All of these things, but it doesn't, it's not a fix for a broken situation that it's one of the things that I sort of roll my eyes about on, you know, online or on like different financial blogs, whatever. It's like, just don't have coffee out, right? And all of a sudden, all this extra money will be there. And that's not necessarily bad advice. But if you are fundamentally not making enough money to live with the cost of living in the place that you live, or you're not making enough money to take care of your family or, and, or your dependents or any of these other things, there is no amount of budgeting. Like you can only budget to a certain point. And I think that like, and that goes back to what you were saying about class before, you know, class privilege. There's just some of this, I feel like that gets lost in the fact that you can have, you know, the tightest budget in all the land. And there are plenty of people that do. And the truth is that, you know, wealth inequality is real. And if you don't have enough money, you don't have enough money. Yeah. And I think actually, like I put off 
budgeting for a long time because I was like, well, I don't have enough money to begin with. So like, what is a budget going to do for me? And I mean, I think it definitely would have helped. Um, I think I probably would have felt better. I would have felt less stressed if I actually had more of a plan for how I was using my money. And also, like you just said, having a budget would not actually have like changed the reality of, you know, the, the amount of money that I have coming in is not equal to the amount of money that like must go out based on the reality of my circumstances. And I think it, it has made me think a lot about like what is, because also the way that we define necessity is like so subjective. Um, Like to your point about the, you know, financial blogs that are like, just stop like buying coffee. Well, first of all, that like advice is only useful if like you're, I don't know, going to Starbucks every day. Not buying coffee is not going to save you money if you weren't buying coffee to begin with. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But also like, I don't know, sometimes life is hard and like buying a coffee helps and like is that a necessity? Like not in the strictest sense of the word. And also if, you know, buying a coffee at Starbucks makes you feel better about your life and helps you get through your day, then like maybe that is a necessity. Uh, I think that's also something that kind of gets missed in the conversation that like so much of it is subjective like, yes, there are realities of, okay, I have this bill and like, I have to pay my car insurance and I have to pay my rent or whatever. But there are a lot of parts of spending and of budgeting that are just like wildly open to interpretation. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of judging and there's a lot of shame that goes on, you know, and your point is so, so necessary and insightful. This idea that, you know, what might not be essential for one person is in fact essential, right? Or feels essential for someone else. And I also think, and I, I know we're going to get into kind of the more granular of you know your budget and budgeting process, but something that I am working on right now myself, sort of in real time in my own, I don't necessarily know if in my budget, but in my financial life is being able to do more, like, what am I trying to say? Being able to like pursue thriving instead of just survival. Mm. And I think that for a really long time, because I had the experience that I had with my family where, you know, my parents were really happy when they were, you know, middle, upper middle class, right? And then because that changed so quickly and the circumstances under which it changed, it really kind of broke the family, broke their marriage, ruined a lot of different things. And I think the story that I internalized that I wouldn't have known at the time, right? This is like many iterations of therapy later, but (laughs) the story that I internalized was, you know, having money is great, but it's not worth the pain that comes from losing it. So wouldn't it be better to just not need a lot of money in the first place? And that was something that really carried through like pretty much my whole adult life It was, you know, look at how small can I keep my needs, right, in certain ways. And it's it's taken me a lot of unlearning and unpacking to not follow that 
script as much anymore and, you know, to let myself spend money on myself. Or like you said, if it is going to bring me joy to get the fancy cup of tea or whatever, that that is a, that that's what money's for, you know, where uh, to kind of break the belief that, oh, I'm on this earth to keep my needs as small as possible. Like that, that no longer works for me. And so it's been an interesting sort of expansion and growth exercise that's still wildly uncomfortable and I'm not doing great at it. This is the in real time thing that I'm working on, but that's sort of what the next level of this looks like for me. Yeah. Something that I have been working on is saving and then spending money for things that I want just because I want them, like things that make me happy or things that I enjoy. Um, I have found that if I, if there's something that I want that I maybe wouldn't just immediately buy that I want to save money in order to buy it, it becomes really difficult for me to do that because it's the first place, it's one of the first places in my budget that I'm like, well, this thing, I don't really need to like save money for that thing. Like I'll just move that money to something that like is more important. A probably a really specific example is um, I really wanted to buy roller skates. I saw roller skaters at the Long Beach Pride Parade and I was like immediately obsessed. I was like, I want to be able to do that. And we have a local like skate shop. And so I went in and I looked at the skates and it was like, well, they're like these skates and they're like a hundred dollars or they're these nicer skates and they're $300. And I was like, whoa, both of those are more expensive than I was expecting. Uh, I don't know. And so I went a year like wanting roller skates, but like not doing anything about it because I was also afraid that I was going to buy them and then decide I didn't like roller skating and that that was going to mean something about me and everyone was going to know that like I was a quitter who bought roller skates and like wasted my money and didn't commit. And then I finally decided that I was going to buy skates. And it took like many months of me being like, yeah, I'm going to buy roller skates to like actually do it. And I kept finding excuses and I would like put them in my budget and then like end up spending the money on something else because it felt like wanting it did not feel like enough. It was like, well, I know I've set aside this money to buy skates, but actually what if I used it on, I don't even know what I was using it on. I just kept like taking the money out. And sometimes that's an indication of me to me of like, oh, this thing is not really that important because I couldn't, I'm like not willing to use the money on it. But in this case, it was much more a like just wanting to buy roller skates did not seem like a good enough reason. Um, I did finally buy roller skates. I bought them at the beginning of September and they're supposed to be delivered sometime this month. But it took a year of me wanting them to decide that I was going to buy them. And then many months of me saying that I was going to buy them And like on multiple occasions, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy them right now and then didn't do it. (laughs) This is a great story. Like really, (laughs) it's a great story because obviously it's specific to you, but I think there's like a kernel of the feeling that you're explaining that, I mean, at least I know that I can relate to that, that idea that wanting to do something is enough of a reason. Like 
even me saying that right now, like reiterating what you just said, I I feel like an internal pressure in my chest to come up with like all kinds of justifications and reasons, right? Or like explanations for that, as opposed to just letting it sit, like wanting to do something is enough of a reason to do it. And I, my sort of, it's not as specific as the roller skate example, maybe, or like as singular, but the where I bump up against the, you know, I said I was going to spend the money on this and then I don't. I'm really comfortable, you know, this is like pre-COVID times, but, you know, spending money on, let's say, a nice meal out if it's with somebody else, right? Or travel if I'm going to visit someone or if it is like with my partner, but I'm a lot less likely to spend anywhere near that amount of money or what I feel like is that kind of indulgence on something that's just for me and me alone. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Like spending money on like going out, if it's like just me, like it just feels like not, not a thing. I think also, I don't know, there's something about having other people involved that I think makes it like, it's like a good excuse because then it's like, oh, it's not that I want this thing. It's that, you know, my partner wants this thing or my best friend wants this thing. And so like, I guess we could, you know, go have a fancy dinner or like spend money to get like really good tickets for this concert, as opposed to like sitting in the nosebleeds. It's like, I guess giving up your agency in a way to be like, Oh, well it's not, it wasn't, I didn't want this thing. Someone else wanted it. And so like, then it's okay. Yeah, it's like it's like social cover or even, you know, there's so many, many layers of stories around money, right? Like we could have a 25 hour straight conversation and I don't even think it would scratch the surface right, on this type of stuff. But it's, you know, there's things that it's seen as there's a lot of morality in it, right? Like it's viewed as good to spend money on certain things and bad to spend money on other things. And obviously a lot of that is subjective to what class you're in as well. Right? So there's like other layers yeah. there. But, you know, when I think that it is more socially acceptable to spend money on things when other people are involved, right? Like that there's just some kind of cover there. There's just sort of a, well, that's what you do, right? Like we're going out, we're doing this thing together. But for me to do, to spend that kind of money or to set up like a really luxurious experience that's just for me, there's like a lot of inner talk of like, who are you, you know, to think that you are worth all of this, you know? So I think like to your original point that money is about so much more than just money. Yeah. So with that said, I'm interested to dive into the specifics of your budget. So you mentioned you have a job, right? Like a salaried job. So you have money that comes in from that job every, you know, however many weeks. I don't know what your pay schedule is, but you have money that comes (laughs) in from that job. Will you talk to me about how you actually use that money? Like what are the different categories of spending and savings that are actually in your current budget right now? Yeah. So I get pretty granular with my budget because I really want to know what my money is going toward as much as possible because it, it, um, it helps. I feel like sometimes I have this experience of like, I don't know, looking at my bank account and being like, okay, but what did I actually spend that money on? And it feels like, especially when it feels like I've spent a lot of money and then 
I'm like, what did that even, what did I even spend that on? And so breaking my budget down into a lot of pieces helps with that. Like for instance, I have a like food and drinks category in my budget. And within that I have groceries, dining out, coffee houses, which are like things I do on a pretty regular basis. And then I also have a line item for my local bakery because I spend quite a bit of money there. And also a CSA box that I get delivered occasionally with like fruits and vegetables and stuff. And I think a lot of people would probably just be like, okay, this is the like food category and like put all of those things into it. But I, I don't know. I want to know, did I spend $60 at the bakery this month, which is a thing that has happened, um, or not, um, And sometimes it changes my buying behavior and sometimes it doesn't. But just to sort of give you an idea, like I break things down quite a bit. And so my budget is split into different, I guess, category groups. Um, And then within those category groups, there are different line items. So I'll just read you the category groups and then Yes, please. I want to hear I want all of it. I want the categories, I want the line item. I'm yeah, my all of my like financial voyeuristic dreams are coming true. So I'm like very my the nerd part of my brain is very turned on. Talk all you want about your budget categories. <laughs> okay. Um I'm going to start with the category groups and then we can get into line items if you want cuz each of these categories has like 2 to 6 line items within it and there's a lot of them. So we'll start with the category groups. So uh, credit card payments, which is pretty self-explanatory. Um, I have a couple of credit cards that I am paying down debt on. So those live in that category. Debt payments, which is like, which is my student loans. Um, immediate obligations. So those are things like rent and utilities and my phone bill, stuff that is either like the same from month to month or like it's a thing that like I have to pay that no matter what, basically, uh, food and drinks, car and transportation. So that includes like gas, car maintenance, uh, registration back when ride sharing was a thing that I did that was in there, uh, living space, which is basically anything for my house. Then that includes like furniture, appliances, artwork, pleasure, which is one of my newer category groups, which I really like. Um, which has a celebration line item in it and a flowers line item because sometimes I like to buy flowers. Quality of life goals. So those are kind of, I have a category in there that's named learn shit, um, but it's sort of generally things that the aim is basically just to make my life better. Um, values, which is where my recurring donations and Patreons and any kind of like charitable giving lives in there. Health and wellness, which is like doctor's appointments, meds, acupuncture, appearance, uh, it's like clothing, shoes, hair products, uh, wish lists are kind of bigger tier things that I want to buy. Um, roller skates were in there. I want to buy some jewelry from atomic gold. So that's in there. Uh, Wish Farm, which is a category that I got from um, You Need a Budget on their blog. They talked about the idea of a wish farm. It's basically things that I want at some point, but I'm not actively saving for. So a Vitamix is in there because those blenders are fucking expensive. And at some point I want one. Uh, Entertainment, 
which is like my Hulu subscription, books, concert tickets. And then I have a miscellaneous category that's like um, stuff I forgot to budget for. I also have an IOU category. So like if I pay for lunch and my friend's going to Venmo me, I will like split the transaction between like the amount that is mine and the amount that someone else owes me money for. And then when I import that money from Venmo, I just even out the IOU category basically. Um, so those are my category groups. This is so interesting. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because obviously I haven't <laughs> I haven't ever seen your budget before. So I didn't know that you had this sort of number and spread and like type of well thought out categories. But I'm even more glad now that we're having this conversation because you just like said so many things that will be interesting to talk about. But I I guess I just want to say before we like get deeper into this, like I can see someone listening, maybe who doesn't budget or feels intimidated by budgeting that could hear all of that and potentially feel overwhelmed, right? And so I just want to, I mean, I don't know that I need to clarify this, but I'm me and I'm an over-communicator, so I'm going to, that, you know, just because you do things a certain way or I do things a certain way, we're not telling anybody what to do. This isn't like the gold standard of budgeting. I feel like the the best budget or the best, you know, way to have whatever relationship with your money is whatever way works for you, right? Like something that works really well for me would make somebody else feel like low-key insane, right? And vice versa. (laughs) So I feel like we're going to go into more detail about all of these kinds of things, but it's not like, you know, someone's listening like, okay, I have to set up, you know, 35 categories in order to have a budget. That's, and you know, I also, and I wonder if this is, is true for you. I know you've only been, you know, I guess like in love with budgeting or budgeting more seriously for what you said, like a year, year and a half. But I have found for me that my budgeting process, the different categories, how much I allocate in those categories has iterated and changed so much over time. First, I mean, obviously as my circumstances change, but just as I start to learn more about who I am, I feel like my very first attempts at budgeting, and I've heard this from other people as well, it's almost like you're you're kind of, if you haven't been tracking your spending or if you're not going line item through your bank statement or your credit card statement to try to get a sense of realistically what you have been spending, I feel like sitting down to create a budget, it's almost like a weird fantasy exercise. You're just like picking numbers either out of the air or because, you know, some person with a financial blog on the internet says you should spend X amount of dollar a month on groceries or something like that. And I found that it took me quite a while to understand how much I actually like and need to spend on different things. And I had to be compassionate with myself that I would, you know, overspend in categories or underspend in other categories, which obviously I still do that, but I did it with, you know, a lot bigger margin of error, I guess, before I really understood what my actual expenses are. Yeah, no, my budget has definitely changed a lot over time. And like, if when I had first started, someone had been like, here, you have to have like, 20 different like categories, I would have been like, whoa, like this, I don't think I can do this budgeting thing. Um, A couple of years ago, I had tried to start budgeting and I started using a software called Calendar Budget, which at the time was free. And now I think is maybe like a couple of bucks a month. And I was basically just using my budget to like try not to overdraw my bank account because the setup is you're looking at it as a calendar. And so then you input like what day you have things going out and what day you have things coming in. And it will sort of tally and say like, okay, on this day of the month, like you're going to have X amount of dollars. And so in the beginning, all I was really concerned about was like, will there be enough money in my bank account at the end of this week? Um, And 
budgeting in that way, like did help me stop overdrawing my bank account, but it didn't actually like give me a whole lot of insight into how I was spending my money. Like it didn't really change my spending habits. It just like, I guess other than being like, oh, I can't buy this coffee because otherwise I will not have enough money in the bank. But it didn't really, it didn't change my relationship to money because it wasn't, I wasn't really doing a whole lot of like planning or thinking about it so much as just like make sure there are enough dollars. Mm -hmm. And now as my relationship with money has evolved and as my income has changed, getting more granular has helped me because it, um, like what I had mentioned about feeling like, okay, but what did I actually spend this money on? Um, breaking things down more helped combat that feeling. And then over time, I've also started to add things in that are like, okay, this is a thing that I want, but I don't know how to like give that to myself, which is kind of how the like pleasure category group came in because I, I wanted more of that in my life basically. So I was like, okay, let me actually like assign dollars to that. And then some things, some of the like categories that I have have come out of, you know, I had line items in different places. And then I was like, oh wait, these things actually are all related. And so I want to put them in the same category so that I can look at a report basically of, okay, how much am I spending on this type of thing? So that's why like all of my food and drink categories, I have several of them and they all live in the same category group. So then I can look at a report and say like, in general, this is how much I spent on food and drinks in any given month. And then when I want to, I can get more granular about like, and that money went like X percentage to groceries, X percentage to dining out, like X percentage to my coffee house addiction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple things in there that you just said that I think are really interesting. This idea, you know, of almost using, using the budget to put your values or desires into action, right? You mentioned like adding the pleasure category because it's something that you wanted, you actively wanted more of in your life and maybe that you weren't naturally inclined to give to yourself. I could imagine, you know, for me having a category of, you know, must spend this money on yourself, right? Or like that type of thing. Like, I think it's interesting to think about, like, I think so many of us are trained to think of a budget as this like really restrictive, almost like a money diet, right? Like this Mm -hmm. really restrictive thing that, you know, I set this budget and then the budget like shames me or is my taskmaster or I have to make sure to do what the budget says. And I mean, I guess it can be those things, but what really made it change and stick for me in what feels like a lifelong way is having fun with it, treating a little bit more lightly and using it as like a a tool of investigation of, oh, huh, like what am I actually spending? What is important to me based on my budget? And then sort of what I hear and what you're saying is potentially using it a little bit too as an aspirational tool, almost like like the idea of like a pleasure category, if that's not something that comes naturally to you, but is something that you currently could put some disposable income towards that it's like by putting it in there every month you sort of have to watch yourself not spend the money there and over time I feel like it makes you brave enough to be like okay well I'm just going to spend ten dollars in this category because I keep telling myself that I will right it's like there's it's it's I think it's like what people talk about about you're more likely to you know achieve a goal or a project if you write it down if you talk to people if you have accountability right if we set up these systems because you were right before when you said that wanting to do something is enough it's enough 
in terms of like, you don't need like more of a justification, but it's often not enough to make it happen if we have a lot of emotional baggage around it. And so I love the idea of using your budget, not just to, like you said, not overdraw your account or to keep yourself on track with, you know, the the rent and student loan payments of the world. But also if you say, oh, I have X amount of, you know, disposable income every month. And of course that's a privileged place to be. But if you are in that place to have fun thinking about what would be like what would be the most feel good way for me to spend this? And it's it's almost like asking a question that I never even thought of with budgeting until I started to do a similar thing to what you're doing is like use it as a tool for aligning my spending with my values. Yeah, and I think it's also helped me realize when I was spending money toward something but I had not I wasn't really thinking of it that way like I, so my, um, pleasure category group has a celebration line item. And part of where that came from is I found that like something exciting would happen in my life and I would want to do something to celebrate that. And a lot of that became about like spending money on something like I want to celebrate. So therefore I'm going to buy myself a nice dinner or I'm going to buy this book that I want or whatever. Uh, And I found that I would sometimes spend the money on those things and then it didn't feel celebratory. And so then I'd be like, okay, well, I'd find some excuse of like, well, that didn't really count. I'm going to like do spend money on this other thing and I want that to feel celebratory, but it didn't. And so by adding it into the budget, it sort of has helped me create a little bit of a ritual around it. So if I decide that the way that I'm going to celebrate something is by spending money on it, then I'm actually like in my budget, I'm saying like this money is like celebration money. And so whatever I spend it on is a celebration and somehow like, just that of like setting my intention of like celebrating is a thing that I want to do and the money that's in the celebration line item, whatever I spend it on, like is a celebration has helped. I guess it just sort of creates a, like a ritual there where like, it sort of doesn't matter what I spend the money on, but in my brain, like this is celebration money. And so in whatever I spend it on, has more like feels celebratory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. This isn't you know a completely comparable example, but there's a book called Profit First that I read last year. I think maybe the year before, but I think you know recently, sometime in the last year, year and a half. And it's essentially a way of managing your finances if you own your own business. And I'm sure it could apply to other things as well. But uh, one of the things that it has you do is you set aside a certain and usually like pretty small to start, but a certain percentage of the revenue that you generate goes into a separate account that's like a bonus account essentially. And the idea is on the first of every quarter, you 
you pay yourself half of what's in that account as a bonus. So it's like money that you would have made anyway in your like salary or paying yourself, but it's like just it's a small enough amount that you don't really miss it when it's taken out on a month to month basis, but when you get it in like a lump sum on you know, the first day of the quarter, it feels to me at least like such a treat. And the idea is spend it on something celebratory or something that's like really just for you. And, you know, so it's always fun for me every quarter when like that line item in my budget has some money in it. And it's, it's not necessarily that I'm, because again, it's money that I would have had anyway. It's my money, right? It's not like someone else is paying me a bonus. It's just, I hid this money from myself basically, like in my business to be able to pay myself this bonus. And, but you're right. Or I, I can relate to what you said that, Anything that I spend money on, you know, let's say it's it, so this on October 1st, right? I got the Q4 bonus payment. And one of the things that I bought was Allie Broche's new book. Highly recommend if anyone hasn't picked that up yet. But uh, it's something that I would have bought anyway, but it felt so much more exciting. So I'm using my bonus money to buy this. Like, this is a gift from my business to me. Like, it, and it wasn't necessarily <laughs> that it was a ritual, but it is, it is true that the intention behind something can so dramatically impact the experience of it. Yeah. I really love that. That's, um, uh, I don't know. I just think the idea of just like making something a gift to yourself is like really wonderful. And I think it does, It sounds like something that can, like, make you more intentional because, like, as you said, the money was yours. Like, you would have gotten it anyway. Uh, But you maybe could have decided to do other things with it. Like, you could have just paid yourself, but you also could have been like, well, you know, I have to spend this money on this other business thing. And I think it, it seems like something that kind of creates a way of, like, makes you kind of prioritize like giving yourself that bonus, like giving yourself that gift essentially, as opposed to like using the money on something else that maybe wouldn't have been as like satisfying, but would have felt like the thing that you should do because it, by making it like a rule, then it gives you cover, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like you and I both gave some examples, even just in the stories that we've you know shared in the last few minutes of ways that this can be more fun, right? Like, and, and potentially other ways to think of it. I'd love to ask you uh, some more questions though about like the how of how you handle the budget. Uh, starting with where do you find that you most typically overspend? Groceries, like consistently, almost every single month, partly because it's this category that I sort of struggle to be honest with myself in. And so I'm always, that's always a place where I'm like, well, I could spend less money on groceries. And then I don't actually make the choices to spend less money on groceries. And honestly, a big part of that is because like people on the internet are like, you should spend less money on groceries. And so I'm like, okay, I should spend less money on groceries. Uh, But like in reality, food brings me a lot of pleasure and like, I don't know, I want to buy the fancy cheese. Um, So yeah, groceries is a category that I often overspend on and I'm still trying to like get to a place where I feel good about the amount that I'm spending and I'm also like honest with myself about Mm -hmm. it. 
I mean, the honesty is so important. You have used the word relationship a bunch throughout this conversation of, you know, your relationship with money. And I think that that's a a common phrase. And yet we don't often pause to think about, okay, what does it mean to be in relationship, right? Like with someone or with something. If I think about, you know, my relationships with my closest friends, it involves honesty. It involves shared time, at least to some degree, right? Like it involves so many of these things that when I actually look back at times where I didn't love my relationship with money or it felt really fraught, I wasn't being honest. I wasn't spending time with it. I didn't want to look at it, right? And there's so much of it that's helpful for me in like reminding myself that if this is a relationship, I don't just set a budget once and then never look at it. Like being in relationship is an ongoing thing. It's like ongoing accountability. It's ongoing love. It's ongoing attention. And, you know, ongoing alignment with your values. And I feel like what you're saying about overspending in in groceries and most of it comes down to, like you said, not being honest with yourself about how much you actually are going to spend. I can relate to that so much. It's like if we're willing to be more honest about what we have been spending or what we typically spend, I feel like that's the first step for being able to do any of this at all is to, with as much kindness and emotional neutrality as possible, just like let what's true be true or be willing to look at what's true. Yeah, I think data collection was definitely a big part of like formulating my budget and like it getting to the place that it's in now. Um, The first couple of months, like I was budgeting but really I was kind of just collecting information about like, okay, how am I actually spending my money right now? And I was not, I was doing a little bit of thinking about like, okay, what if I moved this money from this place to this other place? But for the most part, I was sort of just like spending in the way that I had been and then seeing what that, those kind of patterns looked like to make more informed decisions about how I was going to spend my money. Um, but I think the, the like guilt and like shoulds of how to spend money is still definitely something that I'm working on. Um, I think when it comes to the like grocery category for me, it's a hard one because it is like both a necessity and also not like I have to buy food, but I don't have to like. I don't know, buy, I don't know, organic produce or something and figuring out what that line is, mm-hmm. is kind of messy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I love reading. I mean, obviously I love people's honest accounts of money, right? Like that's no surprise, but I had to stop reading anything like in sort of the personal finance blogger space where they were breaking down specifically like their grocery budget, right? Like here's how our family of four eats on $400 or less a month. And I would always shame myself with that of like, what's wrong with you that like these people are making it work and you can't make it work. And the truth that you're saying is you you could, right? I am not either not willing to eat the things that they're eating or I it brings me more joy. So I'd rather cut in other areas, right? There's like so much that goes into you can't just replicate somebody else's budget. And I think the more that... I am willing to, it's like the both and of I really appreciate honesty, right, and sharing on this topic. And also I have to be careful of not falling too much into the comparison trap. Like I love sharing ideas. I love hearing people talk about what works for them as long as I'm able to remind myself that's awesome that Chelsea does such and such. That wouldn't work for me or that wouldn't bring me joy. Cool. I'm going to go and do my own thing. I feel like that sort of coming back to my center in that way is really 
helpful with this topic. And with with the grocery thing specifically, two months ago, I finally, because like you, I, that was a category I would always overspend in for very similar reasons. And I finally just changed how much I'm budgeting, right? Because the truth is money always has to come from somewhere. And so if I'm overspending in a category, that either means I have to pull from another category of money to make that up, or I'm pulling from savings, or I'm, you know, putting it on a credit card, right? Or there's there's only so many, uh, like you can count on one hand, <laughs> like what the options are, where the money comes from. And I just got tired of having to every month make the, that's those same decisions for the groceries. Finally, I was like, okay, you actually just need to put more in this budget. Let's look at where you are going to choose to spend less, like plan to spend less so that that's possible. Yeah. The comparison thing is, ugh, I feel I, uh, I read a lot of, um, I don't know, like money diary sort of things because like the voyeurism is fascinating. And also I feel like so often I read it and I try and like read from a, people who are in like a variety of different situations. Uh, but it feels so often like people are like, we have a family of four and we feed them on $50 a month. And I'm like, I'm over here spending $400 a month for one person on my groceries. Like, tell me all your secrets. Also same, just, just so you know, like if that, if that makes you feel any better, I recently was like, do I need to move this from $400 to $500 a month? Like it's especially, especially this year when like travel is not possible. So many other things that I want to do are not possible. I'm like, I'm allowed to spend whatever I want at the grocery store. <laughs> like if, if I can't, I can't do any of the, other, not literally any other things, but like mostly can't do any of the other things. And I'm not like a big online shopper. That's just never been something that really brings me joy. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. Like bring on the fancy groceries. <laughs> I like cannot tell you the number of times I've Googled, like how much money should you spend on groceries? <laughs> I feel like that would be a really interesting, like even poll, right? Like, so if anyone listening wants to tell us what they spend on groceries, feel free. No judgment, shame, shame free yeah. zone. I, I feel like I interrupted you. I don't know what you were saying, but I just had to let you know that you're not alone in the spending I on yourself, just, like, what you spent on what other people yeah. spend on a family of four. Like, I think also the other thing is like when you're looking at other people's numbers, you generally don't actually know like what those things are going toward. So it's like, cool, you're spending $50 a month to speak, to feed your family of six. Like, but what are you feeding them for $50 a month? I don't feel that that's realistic. I, I, yeah. mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. What? Um, and I don't think anyone's actually feeding their family of six for $50 a month, but, um, Feel free to send us your receipts if you are. We're very curious. I do definitely want to know. Um, but it's one of those, it's easy to, I find it easy for me to say like, well, I'm spending too much, but I don't actually know what those other people are spending their money on. So like, it might be things that I wouldn't want to spend my money. So it's like, if the way that you're getting to like a low grocery bill is like, subsisting on like beans and rice. Like I understand that some people don't really care about food or for some people that's a necessity, but also there are lots of people who would sort of like choose that over other things. I had a partner who would eat like the same meal, like over and over again. And I was like, I don't understand how you do it. I literally could not like I, my body would physically revolt and I would just choose not to eat, which is a whole other thing about my relationship with food. But it's really easy to just look at the number and like make up a story about it without actually 
knowing what goes into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I mean, context, right? We, as honest as people are being, unless you literally have the entire scope of their financial context, it's sure it could be interesting information to talk about, but I always have to check myself on that as far as comparison goes, right? Like I have, I have no idea what you know, what what else is going on there. And that's totally fine if it makes, you know, one person happy to, you know, spend a lot of money on their hair or a certain type of, I don't know, other thing. Like just that doesn't make me happy, but I'm sure there's things that I spend money on that they would be like, what? Right. So it, I think it goes back to like your own relationship with your money and like, which also is your relationship with your values and, you know, your joy and what makes you what makes you feel good. And yeah, I, I appreciate all of the, the ways that you're like being honest about that. Um, I, I'm interested, there's so much other stuff that we could talk about, but, um, I am conscious of our time. Is there anything that we haven't gotten to yet in this conversation that you really want to talk about? Mm, Um, I think, um, reading money advice on the internet is like a thing that I kind of want to touch on in that it is something that has been both very useful for me and also like made me feel really terrible, uh, as perhaps evidenced by the lengthy discussion of how much money to spend on groceries. Um, but I think a thing that took me a really long time to realize is that there are a lot of people who find it like very thrilling to spend as little money as possible, Mm -hmm. that it kind of becomes this game of like, how much money can I not spend? And I think you kind of see that a lot in the sort of personal finance, especially the like retire early crowd. It's all, I feel like it's almost always men who this, there seems to be this kind of like glee in like not spending money, which I can kind of relate to. I bought a really awesome coffee table at the thrift store and it was $15. And so I just want to tell everyone about it. I was like, this coffee table, $15. But also I don't want to live my whole life like that. And I think recognizing that helped a lot in like contextualizing the information that I was reading to realize like, Sometimes like spending money on things brings me joy and some people like the joy comes in not spending money on things and then I have to keep that in mind when I'm like making decisions about my life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think the, the like overarching point here is that context and like individuality matters. Like I remember over the summer I did a little money series on my Instagram just kind of going behind the scenes and you know some of the financial principles of how I run my business, what it excuse me, cost me to buy and build out my van, um, what my monthly budget is, right? Like, and how that gets split up by percentage into, you know, essentially like my different categories and and different things. And one of the things that I found really interesting, particularly when I shared my budget post and, you know, I went into as much detail as you can in, you know, whatever the amount of characters that you're allowed to type in an Instagram comment, right? Like it certainly wasn't as in-depth as this conversation, but it was interesting the things that people really responded to. I had said, you know, I forgot, I don't have it in front of me, but you know, such and such percentage of my income goes towards the sort of like life necessities, right? Like groceries, cell phone bill, you know, and I, I listed out a bunch of things, kind of reoccurring expenses, and I included therapy 
in like counseling in that list. And, you know, I got a comment from someone who basically said like their mind was blown, like thinking of therapy as a necessity, right? As opposed to a like if there's money left over. And that was interesting because that's sort of how I've always thought about therapy. And obviously it's not it hasn't always been accessible to me financially, but I do think of it as, you know, at all possible if I am in a period of time where I need that kind of care as something that's like not just a nice to have, right? It's something that I really prioritize. And that's just one example, but it was interesting just to hear people's commentary on, you know, one of the things that I shared is that uh, it is currently a priority for me to max out my IRA and my HSA, my health savings account, particularly as a self-employed person who doesn't have a 401k or access to any of that type of stuff. And, you know, there were some comments in that thread and messages that I got of people who were almost beating themselves up like, oh, you know, I've, I've wanted to max out, you know, my retirement account for such a long time and I can't. And I kind of had to go back to them and say, sure, but I live in a 20 square foot van. I don't pay rent or utilities at this point in my life. If all of a sudden that needed to change, there's no way on my current income that I would be able to also be doing these things. So even again, like I didn't, I made it really clear, like I don't pay rent, right? Like in that or a mortgage or anything like in that breakdown. But it's just so interesting how like if we for a moment forget the context of someone's situation, we can use it to make ourselves feel bad. Yeah. And like everybody has their own priorities for stuff, Mm -hmm. which is like I know intellectually and I say it and it's like obviously, but then I forget that constantly. Yeah, same. So there's two more questions that I would really love to ask you. And, um, you know, maybe we can keep these a little bit brief, but can you give me an example of uh, like a specific way that you are trying to align your spending with your values lately? Yeah, I'm trying to give away 10% of my income, trying to redistribute that. So Part of that means giving to organizations who are doing good work. I've got a recurring donation to Black Lives Matter um, and an activism collective that I'm involved with here in L.A. uh, called White People for Black Lives and a couple of other organizations that I give money to every every month because I want to support the work that they're doing. And I also, in that same vein, have a line item for money that I just like give away if like um, somebody has a GoFundMe campaign going on or is like fundraising for something, things that are maybe like not recurring donations, but like somebody has a need and I have funds to give. Um, that's Those are ways that I'm trying to align my spending with my values. Uh, and then also trying to be more conscious about where I spend my money. So trying to stop buying things from Amazon, which turns out to be a lot more difficult than I expected because there are lots of things that I didn't even know where to buy because I was just, I always got it from Amazon and trying to spend more of my money like locally, especially given the pandemic and how that's affecting local businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and again, that's an example of something that like it's not an overnight, you know, I'm never going to buy anything on Amazon again. I mean, I guess it could be for some folks, like more power to you. I, I I applaud that effort. I, like you, I'm trying to spend less money. And it, sometimes I forget that there is value in the smaller changes as well. You know, I can really get caught up in this like black and white, all or nothing thinking, right? I have to 100% do this or, you know, it's a failure. But every time I am choosing instead of buying something on Amazon to, like you said, buy it from a local business, buy it from, you know, a 
solo creative, you know, whose work I really like or that type of stuff, it it counts, right? It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Yeah. I think the thing that I maybe didn't realize before is also all the sort of intersections, all the ways that it becomes complicated. So um, a good friend of mine recently put out his first collection of poetry and it was for sale on Amazon. And I had this kind of moderate crisis of like, am I going to buy it from Amazon? And it was, I had to ask myself these questions of like, okay, well, someone that I know in my personal life who is a working artist, who also is black, who is incredibly talented, who I want people to know about. And like, if I buy his book on Amazon, that is more likely to like help him sell books in the future because I can buy this and it tells the algorithm people want this book. And having to sort of do math in my head of like, well, how does that weigh against like, all the negative feelings that I have about Amazon. And I mean, I ended up buying the book on Amazon. Um, I think I I just didn't anticipate all of those, like that there are lots of things like that where it's really easy to say like, I'm never going to do X, but then in practice it gets like a lot more complicated. Yeah. I mean, but that's why nuance is important and being able to reflect on what's my actual value here instead of just holding yourself to a standard that maybe in that case doesn't support that value. Yeah. Yeah. So the last question, typically I ask, um, you know, if you want to leave folks with a call to action based on our conversation, but I'm actually going to choose a call to action based on something that I know about you. And I'm hoping you can give a little bit more context. So I know that you, something that you have done in the past, I don't know if you still do it, is take yourself on money dates. And I would love for that to be sort of the call to action for people if they're listening, if they want to do that. Can you share just like a a little snippet of what that means or where someone might get started? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's just sort of like making a space for myself that feels comfortable or feels fun. So like I'm really into beverages. So like I might make myself a cup of tea or like have kombucha or a sparkling water or like all three of those beverages. And uh, sometimes I sit on the couch because it's more comfortable, but sometimes I sit at the desk because it's easier to get things done, but just sort of finding a place that, I don't know, vibes with the mood that I want at that moment. And then like getting some things together that make me feel good. And then I will either, sometimes I'll do it with a friend. So we'll get on a video call, uh, and either we'll both work on our budget or we'll work on different things, but having somebody else on the line can be nice. Especially sometimes I'll be like, I don't know what to do with this money or I overspend in this category and I don't know what I'm doing. So sometimes the opportunity to kind of talk out loud about it can be nice, especially if the other person is doing the same thing. Uh, that's something I did a lot when I first started budgeting. Um, but sometimes I do it by myself and I'll just like put my headphones in and put on music that I like and just, uh, tinker with my budget. Yeah. I love that. I mean, because again, it speaks to the fact that it's the intention that matters instead of, oh, I got to update this budget. I got to make a budget, right? Like this idea of what if it were fun? What if it were easy? What if it in itself was a treat? Like you said, make your favorite beverage, put on awesome music, you know, that do it with a friend, have like some kind of a virtual budgeting date, or there's just like so many ways if what 
if what we want is to improve our relationship with money, be more honest about like what we're spending, whether or not that aligns with our values. There's obviously lots of apps and programs and things out there, right, that can give you some structure in which to do that. But I, regardless of the structure that someone chooses, I really love your approach to just making it special and making it, I don't know if like sacred is too heavy of a word, but, you know, light your favorite candle, just make it, make it nice. It doesn't have to be something that we punish ourselves with. Yeah. I mean, if it's, a thing that I'm going to do anyway, I would like it to be a nice experience. And if it's a nice experience, then I'm more likely to do it. Yes. Hell yes. (laughs) That is an awesome place to end. What is the best place for people to find you and say hi online? Do you have a favorite way to connect with new folks? Yeah. So I am on Instagram at CBLately. Uh, You can also find my website, which is chelseabergen.com. And I also have a podcast called Casually Obsessed, which you can find on Instagram at Casually Obsessed Podcast. Mm, I love it. Chelsea, thank you so much. Thank you. And that's our show for today. Our music is by Adam Day, who also handles our sound editing. Thanks, Adam. You're the best. And huge thanks as well to every single member of our Patreon community for making this honest conversation, this entire podcast, and so much of my other work, like my twice-weekly personal essay newsletter called Good Question, possible. Your monthly funding allows me to keep creating resources and gatherings for folks who crave honest conversations, both with themselves and others. And I fully believe that these conversations can change our lives, our relationships, and our world. To join us, just come on over to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. Our community operates on a shame-free sliding scale, so you can feel good about supporting this work from within your own means. So I'll see you over in the Patreon community, yeah? And until next time, I want you to know three things. First, that you are enough. Second, that you are not alone. And third, that I'm totally rooting for you. (laughs) 